Hello, everybody. How you doing today? Thank you again for tuning in to Going AFK. My name is Lunchbox, and I am joined here by Twicked. Hey, how's it going? And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Game Awards. Uh, it just happened a few days ago. There's lots to talk about. It's going to be broken up over multiple episodes, I believe. But we're going to try and get some of the some of the meatier stuff out of the way today. Yeah. The uh, specifically today, we we are going to be discussing, uh, or we're going to start off. Uh, by discussing the game of the year and uh, the game of the year from the video game awards uh, this year was a title from from software called Elden Ring. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a highly popular um, game that is done uh, essentially in the same style as the. Um, shit, I forget Dark the name Souls. of those games. Dark Souls. Dark Souls. Yeah. It's a highly popular game that's done in the same um, combat style as the Dark Souls games. Yeah, it's actually pretty surprising. Uh, this coming out on Top Twick, and I don't know about you, but I was I was kind of shocked when I heard this win uh, game of the year. This game, uh, this game actually came out. I'm a little happy it did because this game came out at the beginning of the year. This game came out back in February, end of February, and seeing as to how God of War was so new, I was actually very surprised that this, uh, that this took that spot. Uh, I, you know, I have to admit, uh, lunchbox. I was also shocked, um, that, that Elden ring took game of the year. There were no, I, I don't want to say a lot of titles this year, this year, you know, as far as new titles go, um, we didn't exactly have, you know, a million new titles. No, no, but Elden Ring, I, I found it interesting because it's so niche. It's such a niche style game that for it to take game of the year, like it, it's not only an RPG, um, but it's incredibly tough, incredibly tough and not forgiving. If, if you've ever played a Dark Souls game or uh, um, what's the other game called? Uh, Sakura Heroes Die Twice or something like that. Yeah, like that? Uh, Sakura. There's um, there's another one too. Well, there's actually several of them that are out now. I, I I feel that this genre has really found its base, though. You know, and I think that this, I think Elden Ring taking this uh, this title this year kind of proves that. Um, now, yeah, yeah. Now there were multiple other. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spew out the other names right now that were actually nominated for this. Uh, so we have Elden Ring, A Plague's Tale. God of War, uh, Ragnarok to be specific, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Hmm. Yeah, all good, all good titles. Yeah, but kind of a strange mix-up. You know what I mean? Like, there's you got Elden. Like, none of these games are very similar. Stray being kind of the one that I didn't even think was going to be on the list. You know, look, I. I don't want to talk too long about Stray. Uh, I've played it twice. I've enjoyed it. Um, it is like a six-hour puzzle game where you play as a cat. It probably shouldn't be on the list. <laughs> you know, I, it, I I really don't think it holds a candle to the rest of the titles. It, it and it didn't feel so innovative that it deserves such such praise. I'm don't get me wrong. It is a fun game, um, and the story's okay, but it's predictable. 
you pretty much can tell what's happening in the story or can guess your way to the end from the start. Um, and playing as a cat really feels like playing as any other animal in any video game where you do that. So it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really didn't feel like it broke any barriers and it certainly didn't have the longevity. Um, there were really no RPG kind of mechanics. It was a fun single player game. So as far as it's showing up on this list, it's curious. Um, yeah. A Plague Tale was a remarkable video game. I haven't yet had the chance to play it, but everything I've seen on this game looks phenomenal. Um, so I'm not surprised about that. one. I know I recently downloaded a Plague's Tale. It's sitting there waiting for me to get onto and I, I've heard it's I've heard it's more of a story based game where it's more decisions that you're making throughout the game rather than it being like an action based video game. Okay. I don't know if that's 100% true. I'm just going by like the, the couple things I heard, but I have heard a lot of people raving about the story in this game. Apparently, it was done extremely well. Uh, yeah. So, but I still, again, right? Like A Plague's Tale, I don't know. Maybe it's because I haven't played it personally, but when it comes down to games like Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, and Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Chronicles 3 specifically, I just don't feel like these games are in the same ballpark. They're not the AAA titles that, that you... Like God of War, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. These are all titles where there's years and years of development. There's years and years of hype. Everyone who plays games, even if you don't plan on playing any of these games, you're aware of them. Yeah. So, you know, they fall into a certain class and category where it makes sense to see these titles as nominees. But then at the same time, yeah, I got to say, it is kind of nice seeing these smaller, uh, smaller companies, these smaller game developers and that make their way into this category. Absolutely. You know what? That's a solid point. Um, I remember a couple years ago, um, where like the Xbox live arcade had like limbo fez, mm, uh, yep. inside little nightmares too. the, these platformer style games and 2d scrolling kind of games were all the rage. And a lot of them were developed by like teams of two and less. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they had garnered so much attention was exciting to me. It is really nice to see in like these these smaller development companies make their way there. And I agree with you 100. No, no, no. Like I like when I sat there and I saw Stray nominated, I thought you know that this would be in like kind of an indie category. Uh, to see indie games come this far, and I, and I really do think that in the past let's say five to eight years, indie games have come such a long way, but we have been seeing them a lot more on consoles, which I think has given them a lot more attention and allowing people to really experience these games for what they are. Uh, And again, right? Like when we talk about these games, not being in the same category as I I think it really just kind of boils down to the fact that when you think about God of War, Ragnarok, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, we're talking about games that are, very expensive to create with huge teams behind them, right? 
Mm-hmm. Now, what is, I guess, let's, let's get down to our thoughts. What do you feel about Elden Ring winning Game of the Year? As far as Elden Ring goes, I, I was shocked. Uh, I was shocked because I hadn't realized that um, the player base who enjoys that brutal, unforgiving style of gameplay had reached such a critical mass. Um, in fact, we will discuss these later on, but Elden Ring won more than Game of the Year. Yeah. Um, they they won Best RPG. They won Best Art Direction. They also won um, Best Studio or Game Direction. So if we if we look at that from you know, Sekiro to, to this as, as like an extension of, of that, that studio progressing in, in how they, you know, how they attack their games. I can see it. Like I can see the difference from dark souls one, two, and three to, to what this is today. And I, I feel as though I'm, I, I just, I feel really biased. I think I'm a little too biased because I am one of those gamers who enjoys playing video games and doing challenging activities, but I don't like getting spanked all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Elden Ring is definitely one of those games. Um, I myself, I mean, I guess I'm a little biased too. I actually, my, my, my opinion on the whole game of the year thing I I understand God of War Ragnarok was released this year. It was released before the Game Awards, so it's in the category. But at the same time, I felt God of War um, Ragnarok had an unfair advantage because it was released so close to the Game Awards. People were still playing it. People were still, the hype train was still going. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like it was almost un, an unfair advantage. So the fact that Elden Ring did pull it out, I mean, I give them props for that. You know, like I said, I haven't played it yet, but it I do know a lot of people just absolutely loved this game. And I guess when we're when we're sitting here thinking about it and we're talking about, you know, that we can't believe that the uh, fan base for this genre has gotten so big, right? Like you said, Twicked. I think we also need to remember the fact that the hardcore fans, they're going to make sure to vote, right? Like when it comes down to the game awards, like when you got your, when your game, when it's something that you absolutely love, you're going to make sure to vote. And there's a lot of hardcore fans out there for Elden Ring. That's, that's a fair point from software has come a long way, Mm -hmm. um, has come a long way from the dark souls games. And they really found a great formula with, with how Elden Ring was done. Uh, because I remember watching the videos for Sekiro and it was like there was eight or 10 bosses and you just went and found them and beat them. And that was the game, you know, um, to my, to my understanding and I'll ne- I'll never play these games. I'm just not good enough. <laughs> I'm not good either, man. I don't have the patience. Uh, I still remember the first time I bought demon souls and I say first time because yes, I have given it multiple tries. Uh, I bought, I went to uh, EB Games. The game was suggested to me to play. 
brought it home, popped it in. I think about 20 minutes later, I had a broken controller. Yeah. And from that point, I was like, all right, these games are not really for me. Uh, so, uh, but I mean, I, like I said, there's, there's a fan base out there. There's a lot of people that love them. And I mean, you know, congratulations to them. Absolutely. Congratulations from software. Elden Ring has absolutely come a long way from your previous titles. Good win and uh, awesome job. Awesome job. Yeah. And I just want to say that we did go over the other things that Elden Ring had won. And I definitely want to go over some of the stuff that God of War won because they they kind of killed it. Right. They may not have won game of the year, but innovation and accessibility Mm -hmm. narrative. Mm. action and adventure oh yeah audio design performance from christopher judge which i mean i haven't played ragnarok yet i have played uh the last god of war that came out and i can tell you that if it's better than that i will be i will be shocked because the voice acting everything in that game was done so well um, and then they also pulled out score and soundtrack. So, I mean, six awards. Yeah, that's pretty phenomenal. And I think that's part of why I was, I was shocked when Elden Ring won. Cause I was like, look, God of War just ate every award along the way. Yeah. Like hungry, hungry hippos. And, and they, they fell short, uh, for game of the year. It was, it was very curious. Yeah. It was it was odd, um, but I mean, I guess it all depends on who votes, right? But I will say I agree with you on that. It's crazy to see that the comparison of God of War taken out six awards, um, and Elden Ring didn't do bad either. They did four, um, but one of them being Game of the Year, right? So six versus let's just say three, because in this uh, comparison, we're not we're not including Game of the Year, uh, but six to three. I mean it. it you would think that uh, God, I thought God of War had it in the bag. I really did too. And, you know, we, we discussed this last time where we said, remember the reimagining and the complete remake of the Tomb Raider series? Yep. And how breathtaking that was. It was f- phenomenal. Oh, it was so good. And for God of War to go from a game series that was always impeccable to one easily one of the best narratives that that you want to continue playing. Uh, like the the most common criticism I heard for the God of War that came out previously was that it felt like it ended. Uh, a little short. Yes. Yep. I, I felt like it was a lengthy game and there was lots to do. And you know, like there's easily 50 to 80 hours to do in the game. But, uh, I can understand people really wanting to keep going with that narrative. It was compelling. There, there was a lot of great storytelling in that game at, at, at many different points. Yeah, f- phenomenal, phenomenal storytelling. Even the side quests and the the collections along the way, the the sailors that you would talk to and and their little stories, like it, they did a remarkable job 
all the way around. So I for sure felt as though if if they can execute that same way for for Ragnarok, then absolutely it's it's going to eat the whole show. Uh, which it almost did. I mean, they you know they ran out there and and ate as many awards as they could. Yeah, they definitely did. They, uh, I mean, regardless, even if they didn't win Game of the Year, and you know what? Maybe the point that I made earlier about the fact that it came out so close to the Game Awards, maybe I'm looking at that wrong. Maybe rather than looking at it as you know, this game came out really close to the Game Awards, so it has an unfair advantage. Maybe that actually is the reason why they didn't win, because maybe not enough people had a chance to play the game, since it is only available on the PS5, which a lot of people still don't have. Right? So, who knows? Maybe maybe if the game came out a little bit earlier, it would have taken it. Yeah. So... You know, that's a, that's a fair point. I think one of the most interesting things that I saw at the Game Awards, and uh, we're going to save most of our Game Awards discussion for a different episode, but mm-hmm. I really wanted to bring this up. Um, ongoing game, the best ongoing game winner was Square Enix's Final Fantasy fourteen, which I'll give them that they've they've done exceptionally well. They have the game. The game is very very good. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It it has like ongoing every expansion that comes out. It just seems to get better and better and better. However, what what got me wasn't who won it. Okay, don't get me wrong. It, it is. I do think that they deserve the award. However, let's talk about the nominees that were included in this award. Okay. We have Final Fantasy fourteen, Apex Legends, Fortnite, Genshin Impact, and Destiny 2. My question to that is, where is World of Warcraft? Yeah, that that's I thought the same thing because generally when when I'm talking to friends and we're discussing either of those titles if if we're talking Final Fantasy 14, people bring up World of Warcraft. Yeah. If we're talking World of Warcraft, people bring up Final Fantasy 14. They they they're pretty much in competition with each other. They they're maybe different stylizations and combat systems, but as far as competition is concerned, they're direct competition. I mean, Elder Scrolls Online would maybe be another contender. That's that's a good point, actually. I didn't even think about them. They, they I think they should also be on this list. What really kind of, like, got my hair standing up is Apex and Fortnite both being on this list. It is strange to me when you think about some of the games that we feel were left out, right? And we'll just use World of Warcraft and uh, Elder Scrolls Online as comparison. It's strange to me because, I mean, Apex and Fortnite, I mean, they're just not the same. Like Final Fantasy XIV, there's a lot of content that goes into that game. Tons of content. Genshin Impact as well. Destiny 2. All these three games have so much content going in constantly. There's expansions that are released for them. There's battle passes that go that go into them along with Apex and Fortnite. But I mean, I'm sorry. I played Apex from I played Apex from season one uh all the way to season nine, I think it was. 
And aside from releasing a new character each season and maybe a gun every other season, I just don't feel it fits in the same category as Final Fantasy. It it really doesn't. In my opinion, Apex and Fortnite are, you know, two sides of the same coin. And uh, it kind of reminds me of the arcadey versions of like Rainbow Six Siege. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, the, the maps maybe change once a year. Is that even a thing? I don't I don't even know. I mean like I I see Rainbow Six Siege, Apex, Fortnite, Call of Duty. I see those being in their own genre for this type of uh award myself. Right. Yeah. Um I believe that WoW should have been in this um in as a nominee in this category, especially since Dragonflight just came out before the Game Awards. Like maybe a week before. And so you would think that that would definitely have been on their radar, but strangely enough, it wasn't. Um, Final Fantasy fourteen, I do believe, is a top contender, and you know, again, good on them for winning. Congratulations! Uh, but I don't think that they, uh, I don't think they're in a fair fight, in my opinion. Now that we're discussing WoW and we're discussing Destiny two, and we're discussing, you know, Final Fantasy fourteen, it does kind of bring up. Those games are remarkable games, but they do stir up this 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 feeling in me, especially when you get to end game of of like end game toxicity that runs kind of rampant in a lot of these styles of of never ending games mm-hmm. of these live service games. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. You know, almost any game where you're talking about endgame content, you know, I, I believe anyone who's listening and you've played a game like World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV, Destiny, uh, anything with endgame where you're, where you're dealing with other players, you're going you're gonna to encounter some toxicity, but there are definitely some games that are much worse than others. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like, for example, I know in... for So... Lunchbox and Twicked, that's me, um, we've both played Destiny and Destiny 2. And we've both experienced endgame toxicity, where if, if you're trying to join a raid or do Grandmaster Nightfalls or to PvP stuff like Trials, any of that like endgame content, if you're looking for people to do it with, they they have the ability to to read your stats online, and if you don't stack up, you don't play. So, like that's that's our common thing is Destiny Two, and we've we've witnessed the toxicity that exists there. But uh, you've played WoW, and I haven't played too much WoW. What what's the toxicity levels like over there? Currently, WoW's doing a lot better. And now it could just be that there's a new expansion out and everybody's excited and nobody really expects you to know exactly what you're doing. But don't get me wrong. I've already been in uh, heroic dungeons where, you know, you die to a mechanic and someone, you know, gives you that gives you that message, you know, are you serious right now? 
it it does happen from time to time. I will say that in the past couple years, I do find that the toxicity levels in WoW have gotten better. However, they it is very very well known that at the end of an expansion, that's when you see those toxicity levels really go up. Now we did play Destiny One and Destiny Two together, but you definitely have way more hours in that than I do, especially with end game content. How do you think? It is from the beginning of an expansion in Destiny 2 towards the end of an expansion in Destiny 2. Do you think the toxicity levels go up or they stay the same? What's your uh, experience with it? Oh, they go up. They, as, as time progresses, people have an understanding of when something's new, they expect people won't be as, as honed or sharpened at it. Um, I happen to hang out with people who are hundred percent okay with teaching new people and, and we're very patient. Uh, so my group and I are, are a different, different beast entirely. And so if, if we look to bring new people in, um, we're, we're pretty generous, but mm. as time goes on and you know, if you're the only person still playing that content and, and you're looking for groups yourself, these people will, will savagely take a look at your stats and say, Hey, you haven't achieved, you know, a certain threshold of kills in PVP. Um, your KD ratio is garbage or, you know, you've only completed this raid 12 times. And, and, you know, the expectation is, is that you would have completed it, you know, 27 plus times. Yeah. So, you know, it gets draining. As as time goes on, absolutely, it, it gets worse. Which is which is wild when you look at the stats, right? And the reason I say that is because maybe I'm someone with a younger brother, you know, or younger sister, someone who wants to play on my account, and that screws up my KD ratio. And a lot of people won't take that into consideration. Now, I remember, and it's been a long time since I've done some serious rating in WoW, but I do remember a time where sitting in the main city and you would have to, in order to join a raid group, you would actually have to link the achievement of finishing that raid previously in order to get into it, mm -hmm. which made it extremely difficult for any kind of first timers. Yeah. Me, myself, someone who's been playing the game for a long time, but I've not had a guild in a very long time. It, it makes it, almost impossible to do any real end game content. You have to find a guild. You have to find a group of friends uh, that are going to play this game with you and go through that end game content. Because it seems like in a lot of these games, that's the only way to get rid of the toxicity is to have people that, you know, will play this stuff with you and help you and walk you along the way. I mean, you yourself have helped me out in destiny too. How many times that I've returned? What have I returned like four times? Yeah, yeah. Well, good people are hard to come by, right? Yeah, yeah. The the division two is the exact same way, where people will look at your stats, look at what you have equipped, and check out your your stat spreads um, for min maxing. And uh, you know what? My group of friends and I still haven't completed a raid in the division two because a raid is an eight person activity and we just can't find 
people who are willing to pick up three or more of us to go through the content. And, and we've got builds and builds and we're farming and, you know, we're putting time in, but it's not enough. It's, it's, we're left in the dust and, uh, and it, and it hurts. It, it's very upsetting. So I, I have to say it's, it's one of the ugliest parts of gaming is is the toxicity at endgame 100 percent. and you know what there are some there are some developers and this is something that wow does that i love i love it that they that they do this with uh with their raids and that and i wish other games would start doing this as well i don't know maybe final fantasy 14 does this i'm sure they do but so wow has like many other games they have different uh levels of difficulty for dungeons and raids and things like that right but for the raids, there are multiple difficulties for it. There are looking for raid, which is where you can just queue and get with a bunch of random people and do it. And what they do is they scale the raid down a little bit in difficulty in order to uh, make up for the fact that you don't know who you're playing with, which mm. that's always kind of nice. Now, the gear isn't as good, but still, at least you get a chance to do the content, have an understanding of it to get better for the next level. Then there's normal raids, heroic, and mythic, all of which get harder, all of which have different mechanics, not completely different, but normally each level you go up, you get another mechanic thrown into the mix. But what else is nice is that they have normal heroic mythic, 10 man and 25 man. Now we talk about division two and their raid. Is it only eight man? Only eight man. See, to me, that's wild. I think that should, I think they should have a four man uh, style of that raid because to ask for eight people, like, I don't know, man, like to me, that's, that's a lot of people to have online at one time. Yeah. Especially for a game that hasn't really shipped any updates beyond seasonal models. Yeah. Since the warlords of New York back two years ago, it's, it's certainly a, a tall, tall drink of water. Wow, two years ago, eh? I didn't know it came out that long ago. So, yeah, I mean, endgame toxicity, it is most definitely, it, it, it's a problem in every game, but some are a lot worse. In the short time that we played uh, Division 2, I can, you know, I even I even saw a little bit of it, right? You got some people that are so up, so high up on the scale that they see, they see a lower level person, they don't even want to give them a time of day. That, that always kind of sucks, right? Because some people do get into games later on than others. Yeah, it's a real bummer. It's not it's not very inclusive and I don't see how it benefits the community or the gamers themselves. Like I I've never understood that mentality of of leaving people to fend for themselves and and to treat people like elitism is is not something I've ever been okay with. No, no, definitely not. I mean, why why not just be humble, make new friends? have multiple you know if 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 some if people could look at it that way and help out others then you could have multiple raid groups possibly so i think the last thing that we really want to bring up in episode two is with regards to gaming burnout uh, which is a common thing that that's been happening to a lot of gamers over the last few years where we we play so hardcore on a lot of the titles that we have that we just get burned out. You know, we get bored. We're unsatisfied with 
the frequency and delivery of content and and it ends up turning into this this hydra monster i think where a lot of gaming communities become this this toxic vulture towards the developers and and they blame the developers for everything that's not going well in their lives you know like you know a new season will come out in in their game and you know some of the activities are boring or it feels repetitive and you know and they they attack the developers i've seen this happen in destiny 2 where developers have been personally attacked online and targeted for for customers being dissatisfied and and like i'm talking death threats um yeah it- it definitely has gotten serious in a lot of games. It's it's not okay. It, look, it's okay. I think the thing that I really want to bring up here is, like, it's two-sided. One is, you know, community toxicity, which we kind of brought up earlier. Um, But now, instead of it towards each other, um, towards the developers. The developers are, they're mm-hmm. on a timeline. You know, they have to, they have to produce content set to a schedule and that means they have to kind of be a little formulaic, you know, and sometimes that formula feels a little stale and, you know, developers do have the opportunity every now and then to, to kind of flip that omelet over and, 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 you know, make a new formula, but you, (laughs) there's no way that chewing out individuals, for something that you're not completely satisfied with is the is the route that is that should be taken there's it's 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 incorrect it's impolite i mean it's beyond rude it's you're don't attack people for a video game man relax and and so that what i wanted to the the second side of this is if ever you reach a point of burnout in a game where you feel bored or you feel wholly unsatisfied with a lot of the stuff you've been doing for so long right take a moment and recognize you can play something else and and i'm not saying this like like a jerk where i'm saying hey you know like you know you don't have to play that game right it doesn't i'm not saying that what i'm saying is it's beneficial to take a break six weeks three months a year sometimes depending on the game i know i know lunchbox You've taken like two year long breaks away from World of Warcraft, right? Yeah, there's definitely been times where I will be playing WoW kind of nonstop for a long period of time, then come towards an enemy expansion. Uh, there might be less content going on. Maybe there's not as many groups happening at that time. You know, and when we, if I can go back a little bit for when we're talking about going against like developers and things like that, you know, there's, there's absolutely no point where I think this is okay, right? Whether we're dealing with a long-standing game like World of Warcraft or Destiny, or you're dealing with a new game like Outriders, you know, like we see nowadays a lot of games that come out, and before, like the season even starts, there's tons of stuff happening on, you know, Twitter and that, and where people are getting so mad. I mean, Cyberpunk was uh, a big one where, you know, don't get me wrong, there was a lot of failures there. There's a lot of failures there, but you know, CD project red was being, uh, you know, very good with communication 
and things like that. And people just chose the wrong, the, the wrong people to go after for what they were mad about. Absolutely. You know? Um, and when it comes to end game burnout, I, I, I agree. 100%. I think you should always have a game on the back burner that you're going to play. And you know, that you can just kind of forget about that game that you're just starting to feel a little like I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, definitely depending on the player, you know, what kind of game you like. I mean, I love having RPGs in the background. Sometimes I don't, sometimes it's not even a new game. Sometimes it's an older game I played 10 years ago. I just want to play again. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and like, like if, if, if you and your friends are all feeling the same way, then find games that you and your friends can enjoy in the interim. Um, for example, like, like my friends and I, we, we got bored many times with, with the same one title and, and it happens at different times. Sometimes someone will be bored a month before the rest of us, but you know, there's other titles that we jump back to where as, as a team, we can still play these things like ready or not, or, or borderlands or, um, you know, the division two, uh, final fantasy, you know, there, like there's other titles that we'll just get into and that'll be what we play for another month or two months or three months. And we have a blast and then we go back to the game that, that we were struggling with earlier. And it's beneficial, I think from, from a mental health standpoint to remove yourself from whatever it is that's that's toxic to you yeah if if the game that you love is bringing you down and it's bringing your whole party down then leave it alone for a bit you know like yeah it's time to shelf it for a little bit you know yeah and it's fine to do that like one game my me and my buddy started playing uh, a month or two ago and we don't like none of us were like oh it's we're all we all, all we do is play racing games we don't really play racing games, but all of a sudden Forza Horizon 5 was out and we were all just in the same mood. Like, yeah, let, you know what? Let's get on that. Let's race some sweet cars together. You know, see who can come up with the best tunes for these cars to to modify the the traction and, and stuff like that the uh, on the vehicles yeah. in order to, to make, you know, some, some crazy stuff. It was just completely different and all around enjoyable and, and you have to find a way to do that with your friends. And sometimes, you know, just, to, just throw this out there. It doesn't have to be another game that you play. Maybe it's time for you to sit down and catch up on the shows that you've missed out on Netflix for a little bit. Right. Maybe you got, maybe you got some catalog of books you want to read and stuff like that. Sometimes it's good to just put down the controller, you know, push away the keyboard and take a break for a couple days. Do something different. Recharge the battery. Burnout happens in every game. Doesn't matter how fast content comes out. There's a good chance that you're you're gonna get tired of it at some point. I know with WoW, there's tons of things to do in that game, and I I can play it. They can release content constantly, but eventually, I'm gonna get sick and tired of professions. I'm gonna get sick and tired of questing. I'm gonna get sick and tired of raiding. It you know, it it is nice to have a game that has so much with wow which is probably why i've been playing it for 16 17 years right i get sick and tired of raiding i can go to pvp i can go to just uh doing professions and things like that but still no matter what eventually one day i think everyone experiences you just don't want to log on and and like don't get me started on stuff like 
FOMO. FOMO is the fear of missing out. And a lot of games, even Fall Guys, have, you know, items that you get every week. If you played that week, then, oh, you got the hot dog costume. Dude, I want the hot dog costume. You know what? That's that's the Skinner box, man. Recognize you're you're the mouse in the maze trying to get the cheese. When you figure out that you're the mouse trying to get the cheese, you can relax and and not let the chase of that cheese be as as detrimental to you. You don't need it. You don't need it. It you don't need to show off uh, like one one thing that people do constantly is they they title grind. They they go for you know, if I do this at this time, I have a shiny little badge I can show people. I got this armor piece that was only available. I got this weapon that was only available during this one week scenario. And there will always be another one and another one and another one. But how often are you even using any of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I can say, especially for cosmetics. I mean, I really hate when that goes on like a, a weekly thing. I know like uh, for for myself. You know, one of the things that really drives me nuts with uh, with WoW, you know, is that there's a lot of times where uh, in previous expansions there was power grinds, and if you didn't sign on weekly, you weren't gonna get you weren't gonna get that extra power you needed to be competitive in the raids and the mythic pluses and stuff like that. And it was for me probably the darkest time in in World of Warcraft that I could think of. Uh, this new expansion, it seems like they've kind of gotten away with it, which is nice, a nice breath of fresh air, but. It, it, it does seem to be a strange issue in just about all newer games coming out, any kind of looter shooter um, that comes out, you know, it just seems like there's always this, you got to sign on, you got to make sure you're on, you know, two, three days a week in order to accomplish getting this. And that kind of stuff really always turns me off. As far as fear of missing out, when, when you realize that all of that stuff that you're going to miss out on ultimately doesn't matter. And usually they give you a pretty sizable timeline to gain access. Like if there's a certain weapon or gear set that's only available for a limited period of time, if it's going to be of any viability, any worth worthwhileness, it, they're going to, it's going to be available for a couple months. So you could still take a break. Yeah. You know, and, and, Go after it afterward, right? Yeah, there. I mean, and like we said, right when it comes on the cosmetics. But I mean, to each their own, right? Everyone has different priorities in their gaming. Some people really do like those cosmetics. Um, but I mean, if 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 getting that cosmetic is going to burn you out to a point where you feel like you don't even want to play the game anymore, you know, maybe maybe it's time to try and walk away and see how you feel about it. You know. Give it a couple days and see, and see whether or not you even feel like returning to the game at that time. Like Lunchbox said, don't be afraid to, to look outside of gaming to, to find happiness, at least for a little bit. You know, we all get it. I mean, Lunchbox and I, we're gamers. That's what we do. But if you think for a second we haven't taken breaks. Oh, no. Then. You're crazy. Yeah. You know, you got to take breaks. This it's 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 a marathon, not a sprint. Take your time. There's there's like we said, right? There's lots of things, a lots of things to do and check out and, you know, try and take up that time that you may need. But the fact of the matter is when you get gaming burnout, 
uh, I would say gaming burnout is one of the lead causes to toxicity in a lot of games. You know, when you want to just get something done because you're like, you know what? I just want to, I just want to sign on. I want to get this done. I want to get done this dungeon. And then I want to get out of here and start doing something else. And you join up a group and maybe you've got someone in your group that doesn't know what they're doing. Maybe it's their first time there. So now you're, you know, typing in there. Are you serious? I can't, you know, well, your garbage get good. All that toxicity, you know, I, I feel like a lot of it comes from burnout. And if we can find ways to help with manage that burnout and manage that little bit of stress that does come along with gaming, then, you know, we can, it could be better. It could be better for everybody in the game. Right. You know, for, for everyone, it would be better to, to, to acknowledge your gaming burnout and to take time away. It'd be better for the community. Uh, that way you're not just yelling at everybody. It'd be better for the developers. That way you're not targeting. People aren't targeting developers or individuals who in some way work on this title or help support the community. And, and they're receiving all this backlash from disheartened players. Like we get it. You're passionate. We're passionate. We get it. But be a decent human being and take care of yourself. And that includes your mental health. Gaming burnout is no good for you. All it's going to do is, is cause this, this negative energy that's going to bum you right out. Let it go. Let it go. Go relax. Go find another game. Play some other stuff with your buddies. Find a new hobby. You know, relax. Yeah. Because we're here to have a good time. That's the most important part. Yeah, ultimately, gaming is there to be relaxing. It's it's there to enjoy with friends. It's there to enjoy with family. And if you you know if you are feeling burnt out and it's starting to impact your gaming negatively, it's definitely time to take a step away. Not just for the community, but definitely for yourself. Right? Make gaming enjoyable again for you. And sometimes, in order to do that, you got to either step away or play a different game for a little bit. I think uh, I think we had a lot of good stuff to talk about today, Lunchbox. Yeah, for sure. And as always, guys, please, we want to hear from you. So throughout any of the topics that we've talked about today, go ahead and throw throw it something in the comments. You know, tell us about how you felt about the Game Awards, how you felt about Game of the Year. Uh, tell us uh, about maybe even an experience you had with uh, with Endgame Toxicity or Gaming Burnout. What's your favorite game to play when you're not playing your number one title? And that'll be it from Twicket and Lunchbox. I look forward to reading your comments. If you enjoyed what we discussed, feel free to leave a like or subscribe. We want to thank you all for listening, and that will always be enough for us. Until next time, we'll see you in game.